You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Psalm 113 and a variety of other Scriptures as well, and we're going to be talking about the fact that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I want to share with you. First of all, I want to invite you to visit our website, DesireJesus.com, and if you're not yet on our newsletter list, we'd encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Our newsletter is sent out every Tuesday, and it's a brief word of encouragement, so there's a devotional thought in it. And we also have links to anything new that we've posted on the website, which we hope will be a great benefit to you in your walk with Christ. On our website, you'll find a variety of things. You'll find our blog and our online Bible studies. You'll find our book bookstore and devotional resources. You'll see links to both of our podcasts, the Informal Bible Study and the Chapter a Day Audio Bible. And you'll also see a spot on our website where if you want to be a financial supporter of this ministry, you can make a contribution toward the cost of our hosting and production and any other financial expense that we incur through this ministry. So that's all available at DesireJesus.com, and we hope that you'll take advantage of it. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're continuing our look at who is God, and we're talking about the fact that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and I'm going to explain in just a few moments what those terms mean, but before I do, I want to start us off today by reading from Psalm 113, and we'll be reading the whole psalm, which is verses 1 through 9, and this is what it says in that portion of Scripture. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of Scripture and several others today as we talk about attributes that Scripture describes you possessing. Lord, we know that you are omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and we thank you for revealing that to us about yourself. And we pray that you'd give us wisdom and insight now through your Holy Spirit as we take a look at your word together. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. A personality trait that seems to run like a thread through the lives of many people I admire is the trait of being a high-capacity person. I'm often impressed by people who seem skilled at juggling multiple things without becoming excessively bogged down or easily discouraged. Some of my favorite historical figures were high-capacity leaders. Some of the people I allow to influence me presently are high-capacity leaders. I'm trying to learn from them, and I'm trying to implement some of their attitudes and their approaches and their strategies. 
But no matter how high capacity someone might be, we need to realize that we all have our limits. Even if we don't require a lot of sleep, we still require some sleep. Even if we know many things, we don't know everything. And let's be honest, some of the most irritating people on this earth are those who think they know everything. The strongest, wisest, and most gifted people on this earth can only do so much. That being the case, let's consider God's capacity for just a moment. He's not only high capacity, he's infinite capacity. He never sleeps or slumbers. He is perfect in all his abilities. There isn't a single thing that he doesn't know, and there is no one more powerful than him. And unlike humans who can only be in one place at one time, he is everywhere at the same time. This is amazing. And just like the psalmist said in Psalm 113, which we read just a few moments ago, who is like the Lord our God? The answer, very simply, is no one. And one of the attributes that I mentioned a few moments ago that we're going to be looking at today is God's omnipotence. God is omnipotent. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll explain that in just a moment. But first, let me read several verses from Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to skip around in Genesis 1. But in Genesis 1, starting with verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And again, that was from Genesis chapter 1. I read verse 1, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, and verse 14. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, one of the words that theologians often use to describe God is omnipotent. And when you take a close look at that word, it makes a lot of sense to use that term in regard to the Lord. Broken down into parts, the prefix omni means all, and the suffix potent means powerful. So when we use this term to describe God, we're saying he is all-powerful. There is no greater power in existence than the power of God, and there is nothing in existence that God doesn't have power over. A great example of that is given to us in the opening chapter of the book of Genesis. That chapter, which we just read from, it begins by describing the work of God in creation. We're told as we look at these verses that God spoke creation into existence. Now, in contemporary society, I often hear people appeal to the universe itself as if it's the guiding power over our lives. But when you look at what is revealed to us in the book of Genesis— we're shown that God himself has power over the universe. He spoke it into existence. Just consider that for a moment. 
It's one thing to fashion or make something out of something that already exists, but God is so powerful that he can speak something into existence that didn't exist a moment earlier. He didn't just shape what we see. He spoke it into existence out of nothing. He created the heavens and the earth. He created light. He created water. He gave specific borders to the water. He also created land and vegetation. Our God is all-powerful. And there is no greater power than the power of God. Consider for just a moment what that means for you and me. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we read this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Our all-powerful God, who has made us part of his eternal family when we trusted in Jesus Christ, is working his power through us. He has not left us powerless to face the challenges and the griefs and the adversities of this life. The very same power that spoke creation into existence is accessible and at work in all who believe. Are you convinced of this? What difference will this make in the life of a believer who becomes fully convinced of this truth? I think it'll make a huge difference. Now, likewise, Scripture also reveals to us that since we are recipients of new life and a new birth through Jesus Christ, we can be confident that the same power that created life on this earth will also raise us to life again after our bodies experience natural death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, we read, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Our omnipotent, all-powerful God has already revealed what's in store for us. Just as Jesus rose from death, so too will we be raised by the power of God. What a blessing it is to realize that our God has chosen to use his power in such a gracious and merciful way toward us. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. The Word of God also teaches us that God is omniscient. Now, we'll explain what that term means in just a second, but let me read for us from 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. So, another word theologians use to describe God is omniscient. Maybe you've heard that term before, maybe you haven't, but the term omniscient can likewise be split into two parts. Omni means all, and scient means knowing. So when we refer to God as being omniscient, we're describing the fact that he is all-knowing. God knows everything. There isn't a single thing that can be known, past, present, or future, that God isn't intricately aware of. In 1 John 3, the Apostle John explicitly stated that God knows everything, but Scripture gives several examples of God's omniscience for us to ponder. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, it says this, 
are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. In Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4, it says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Often in life, we can mistakenly begin to believe that God isn't aware of us or what we're experiencing, that these are things that somehow he doesn't see or know about. One of the great mistakes humanity has historically made is to adopt the belief that God is distant and unaware of the details of our day-to-day experiences. But God isn't distant, and he certainly isn't unaware. He knows everything about us, including the number of hairs on our head, pores in our skin, words we will ever say, and breaths we will ever take. There isn't anything he doesn't know. God is all-knowing, but in our vanity and in our self-worship, mankind often makes the mistake of usurping this attribute of God. And what I mean by that is this, every time we go our own way, instead of heeding God's voice, we're essentially questioning his omniscience and falsely claiming that we possess that attribute. Now, in God's omniscience, he also knows what is to come. A large percentage of Scripture is dedicated to prophecy. Prophecy is a gift from the Lord to us that he uses to confirm that what he is saying is true when his promises are fulfilled. And he also gives us prophecy to encourage our hearts to be hopeful. Think a very hopeful portion of Scripture that's a prophetic portion of Scripture is found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, where it tells us about what it's going to look like in the future, and it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So what that says to me is this, no matter how difficult today might be, we can be confident that the joyful future our all-knowing God has revealed to us is going to come to pass. God is omniscient. He knows everything. And Scripture also reveals to us that God is omnipresent. Let me read again from Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. It says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So, one additional term that theologians use to describe God is omnipresent. It's a term that means God is all-present, or present everywhere at once. There isn't a location that I could travel to where I could escape his presence. This is what David was expressing in Psalm 139. 
This is also a lesson the Lord taught Jonah and many others who mistakenly believed that they could successfully flee from his presence. It's wise, healthy, and a sign of spiritual maturity to become gradually more conscious of the presence of God. I believe we make much healthier decisions in life when our awareness of God's presence with us is heightened. Typically, as we foster the spiritual discipline of prayer, our awareness of God's presence with us grows. We talk to Him because He's near. We listen to Him because He's near. We visibly observe His miraculous intervention in our lives because He's near. Our hearts find peace because He's near. God made His presence quite clear when He took on flesh and walked among us. Jesus Christ, God the Son, walked our streets, ate our food, felt our pain, died our death, and rose to life as the firstfruits of the coming resurrection for all who believe in Him. We aren't worshiping a God who is aloof and distant from us. We worship the Lord who is intimately acquainted with all aspects of our experience. I love what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. In that passage, it says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. One final thing I'd like to say about God's omnipresence is this. Don't make the mistake of applying this attribute to anyone else. Only God can be all places at once. No one else has this capacity. And I mention this because I've often heard well-meaning believers mistakenly assume that Satan also possesses this capacity. Like us, Satan is a created being. And like us, he can only be in one place at one time. He is not all-powerful, he is not all-knowing, and he is not all-present. Mistakenly assuming that Satan possesses attributes that only God possesses can cause us to live in fear, when God's desire for us is that we live with a confident faith that is not easily shaken due to misinformation or a lack of knowledge. It's fascinating to consider the nature and the attributes of our God, particularly as we consider the implication of His omnipotence, His omniscience, and His omnipresence. How are you experiencing His power right now? How are you trusting in His will and His wisdom? How conscious have you become of His presence? At the end of the day, our Lord's attributes inspire all within us. And like the psalmist said in Psalm 113, we can also marvel at the question, Who is like the Lord our God? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at it together today as we ponder your omnipotence and your omniscience and your omnipresence. Lord, we're grateful that you reveal these things to us about yourself, 
that you help us to know more about you as we look at what your word contains. And Lord, we pray that we would experience your power, that we would trust your will and your wisdom, that we would be conscious of your presence, and that as a result, our faith in you will grow. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you accomplish in our lives. We thank you for the fact that you identify with our weaknesses, and yet in the same respect, you grant us your power and your righteousness as we trust in you. So help us, please, we pray, Lord, to walk with you faithfully today. And we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd invite you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter or make a gift toward this ministry or utilize any of the resources that we make available on the website. And I'll also mention that this past week I posted an article that I took the time to write on how students should handle their finances. So if you're a student right now, I have something there full of biblical counsel and biblical advice on how to handle your finances right now. Likewise, if you have children and want to point them in the direction of something that will encourage biblical stewardship in a responsible and Christ-honoring way, again, that article is posted on the blog right now, so we'd encourage you to check that out. That's all available at DesireJesus.com. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, you can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.